It's series 14 of our media cast. Stay tuned for the last 10 minutes where we overview our current, future and past series. This one is on Euro 2024 qualifying. We're looking at Group H, Denmark, Finland, Slovenia, Kazakhstan, Northern Ireland and San Marino. Here we go. It's the International Soccer Preview by Soccer Files Canada, Series 14. I'm Kevin. And I'm Connor. And today we are looking at Group H for Euro 2024 qualifying. This group includes Denmark, Finland, Slovenia, Kazakhstan, Northern Ireland, and San Marino. Yeah, and we usually give some information about the media cast at this point, but we're going to save it for the end. Uh, but we do have a couple of current uh, series, like the African Cup 2024 qualifying, which is still relevant. Uh, and we're also going to talk about plans for our upcoming series. Okay, that's enough. Meanwhile, <laughs> let's get on with the uh, with this group. Yes, so this series features a deep dive into the history of Euro Cup qualifying for each of the teams, and we'll cover our usual information. Yeah, let's look at the three sections that we cover in the podcast or our media cast. So part one, we're going to introduce the teams in the group. And uh, part two, we'll do an in-depth team-by-team overview of the history. And this time we're focusing on Euro Cup history. And uh, part three will be a comparison of the team. So we look at their rankings, head-to-head records, odds, and uh, a discussion of their prospects and our predictions. All right, so before we begin, what's the hook? What will get me into Group H? All right, well, I present to you, Connor, uh, um, I present to you probably the most inconsistent team in qualifying among these six, and that's all I'm going to say. All right. The most inconsistent team in qualifying, a very interesting history. I'm going to throw it back at you, Connor. Which team do you think that is? Um... I want to say maybe Northern Ireland, but... um... I know nothing. All right. Well, we'll get there. (laughs) Yeah, we'll get there. Okay, let's begin with a look at the six teams here. So six teams in this group as opposed to five in all the ones we've done so far. Yeah, so beginning with Denmark, uh, their nickname is the Red and Whites. They're also known as the Danish Dynamite, but that was kind of during a strong period in the 80s. Um, Denmark's population is 5.8 million people, and Denmark occupies a peninsula and some nearby islands uh, jutting out from northern Germany. Yes, okay. Uh, Jutland, is that what the peninsula is called? That's right. Uh, Jutting out, that's funny. Uh, Finland. Right, Finland, their nickname is the Eagle Owls. They have a population of 5.5 million, so just a shade shade less than Denmark's. Um, And Finland is a large country in northern Europe. Uh, bordered by Sweden and the Baltic Sea to the west, Norway to the north, and then it shares a very long border with Russia in the east. Yeah. All right, Slovenia is next. All right, their nickname is Fanche, if I'm saying that correctly, which is just the boys. Um, Slovenia has a population of 2.1 million people. Uh, It's a former member of Yugoslavia and is a small Central European country uh, bordered by Italy, Austria, Hungary, and Croatia. All right, next is uh, Kazakhstan. Kazakhstan, their nickname is the Hawks. Uh, It's a large country of 19 million people. Um, And it's actually geographically a very large country as well. Um, The ninth largest country in the world. Wow. Um, 
mostly in Central Asia, though a small part of its Western reaches are technically considered within Europe. Oh, okay. Uh, next is Northern Ireland. Yeah, Northern Ireland is known as the Green and White Army, though that I think mostly refers to their fans. Uh, Northern Ireland has 1.9 million people, and it's part of the United Kingdom, occupying uh, the northeastern fifth um, of the island of Ireland. Right. And finally, San Marino. Uh, San Marino, their nickname is La Serenissima, or the Most Serene. Um, an interesting nickname, but I think it's a, it's a quality their fans would need. Uh, they have a population of 33,000, so tiny country. And it's uh, a micro-nation completely surrounded by Italy, uh, occupying a small amount of territory east of Florence. Wow, okay. All right, well, let's look uh, directly at the uh, size of each country, uh, kind of as a comparison. Yeah, so the biggest country um, is Kazakhstan at 19 million. Um, it's actually about four times larger than any other country in the group in terms of population. Um, next is Denmark at 5.8 million people, uh, closely followed by Finland at 5.5 million. Uh, then you have Slovenia, which is 2.1 million people, and Northern Ireland at 1.9, so those two countries uh, both around 2 million. And then finally, you have tiny San Marino at just 33,000 people. Wow, 33,000 uh, would basically fill a decent-sized stadium, hey? Yeah, it doesn't even have to be that decent-sized, to be yeah. honest. I like the uh, I like the big thing. Yeah, we pretty much have to be pretty cool about music. Okay, well, we're going to move on to the uh, team by team history. So we'll begin with uh, Denmark and uh, an overview of their participation and achievements. So uh, their first international game was in 1908, and they first entered the World Cup in 1958. They actually didn't enter the next one, but participated consistently from 1966. And they are more consistent in Euro Cup competition, having entered the first one in 1960 and then every edition after that. Uh, so in the early years, they didn't reach either cup, but from 1986 onwards, they reached more than half the World Cups. And their best finish was a quarterfinal appearance in 1998. Uh, after 1980, they qualified for the Euro Cup consistently until failing to qualify in 2008 and then again in 2016. Uh, the latter was a shock as the uh, Cup had expanded to 24 teams that year. And their best result was a shock title win in 1992, and they reached the semi-finals uh, three times besides, so pretty successful there. Yeah. All right. Um, looking at their World Cup, so their first campaign in 1958 saw them lose all four games. Um, whether related to that or not, they did not enter the 1962 edition. Uh, they entered but then failed to qualify for the five cups after that, qualifying for the first time in 1986. Their next successful qualification was in 1998. Uh, once there, they passed the group stage and would do so for four of the six tournaments uh, they would reach. Uh, their second qualification was 12 years later in 1998, which yielded their best result, um, a quarterfinal finish. The Cup had expanded to 32 teams in 1998, uh, making qualification a bit easier, and they reached uh, four of the next four Cups. Uh, 2006 to 2014 was uh, a, their weakest period, with two non-qualifications sandwiching a group stage exit. 
That's right. Okay, and just a little correction. That was four of the next six cups uh, from 2006. Okay. Or from 2002. Uh, anyway, great. That's a World Cup overview, and we'll get a little uh, Euro Cup overview. So the Euro Cup is actually more outstanding than their World Cup record. Uh, reaching the 14 Cup in 1964 uh, was more impressive, actually, than the fourth place result in it. Uh, reaching it was the accomplishment. Uh, they didn't qualify again until 1984, but reached the semifinals there and went on to reach the next six cups in a row. And their most impressive result was in 1992, uh, a tournament for which they had initially failed to qualify. Uh, their weak period in World Cup play is reflected faithfully in their 2008-2016 Euro record, that's two qualifications, uh, two non-qualifications surrounding a knockout at the group stage. But they roared back in 2020 with a semi-final finish, and that was their best result since 1992. Okay, and uh, the Euro Cup deep dive, which we'll start now, will explain how they managed to win a cup that they didn't qualify for in 1992. So you want to take it away? Sure, but uh, we'll go back to the first uh, European Championship in 1960. Uh, they actually tied their first ever qualifying game, but were thrashed by Czechoslovakia in the reverse fixture, knocked out in round one of a two-round qualification system. 1964 had three rounds, and they won all three over Malta, Albania, and Luxembourg. Uh, the last of these uh, uh, were home and away draws. Uh, Denmark would have won on away goals nowadays, but it was not a criterion at the time, and a further replay took place in the Netherlands. Um, Denmark won 1-0 uh, over Luxembourg to reach their first cup. Right, but it would take uh, 20 years to reach the cup again, and the campaigns in between were quite weak. Uh, 1968 moved to a group stage uh, qualification, and uh, it opened with a 0-6 loss to Hungary. Uh, at home, they tied East Germany and beat the Netherlands, but they finished last in the group. 1972 was uh, worse still. Their only points at home, a win over Scotland in the last game. Uh, 1976, though, plumbed new depths, earning a single point on a home draw with uh, Romania. But 1980 showed some improvement with two draws and one win. Uh, but it was still a last place finish in the five-team group for Denmark. So those poor results made 1986 a surprise where Denmark won the group. A home draw uh, sorry, a quick correction there, Connor. It should be 1984. Oh, okay. Thank you. Yeah. Um, yeah. So uh, a home draw with England in their opener and a way loss in Hungary were actually the only points Denmark dropped that year. They finished one point ahead of England, knocking them out, and then went on to reach the semifinals of the Euro Cup. Uh, and they will qualify for the next six cups in a row. Yeah, you want to keep going? Sure. Uh, 1988 was a tight finish over Czechoslovakia and Wales, just two points separating the three of them, but Denmark the only ones to go through. They were on the losing end of a tight finish in 1992, one point behind Yugosla uh, Yugoslavia in a campaign that saw them exchange home wins, but Denmark's draw in Northern Ireland cost them. However, players were recalled from their vacations when Yugoslavia was disqualified. Uh, that was due to political turmoil. And then Denmark was chosen to replace them. Amazingly, Denmark went on to win the cup, a delirious result far beyond their expectations. Yeah, that's uh, pretty interesting there. 
Okay, well, 1996, uh, the Cup expanded to 16 teams that year, and uh, the top two advanced automatically in this group. And that was fortunate for Denmark because their campaign started poorly. Uh, away draws, with, uh, one of which was with Cyprus in the early part of the campaign, made it impossible to challenge Spain for first. But good consistency after that did see them uh, through in second place. 2000 also started poorly. An away draw in Belarus was followed by just one point over three games. However, they won the last four, including the last in Italy, uh, who finished one point ahead in first. Second was enough for a playoff with Israel, where they won soundly in both legs. 2004 was a very tight finish in qualifying, four teams separated by just two points. Uh, though bested by fourth place Bosnia-Herzegovina, Denmark finished top of that pile and qualified automatically. All right. Well, 2008 was not as bad as the uh, fourth place result uh, suggests. They were bested by third place Northern Ireland. Uh, they were also awarded a home loss to Sweden because late in the match, when the score was 3-3, a Danish fan ran onto the field and attacked the referee. Uh, so it was a blow uh, after also failing to qualify for the 2006 World Cup and was actually part of a week period um, for Denmark. Uh, they did qualify for the Cup in 2012, though, and it was a solid campaign, losing only away in Portugal but finishing in first over them. In the Cup, they fell at the group stage, and that was as good as it got during this period. 2016 was a weak campaign where they lost to Portugal twice, tied second place Albania twice, and then tied Armenia besides that. Uh, third place, however, advanced them to a playoff for the newly expanded cup, but there they were bested by rivals Sweden. All right, and um, for 2020, since that was their most recent tournament, we're going to take a closer look at the uh, Euro Cup 2020. So in a bit of a slump, uh, just reaching the group stage, I think, since, since uh, uh, 2004, was it? So uh, let's see how they did in 2020. Yeah, so uh, Denmark actually went undefeated, even best in group winner Switzerland, but two draws with Ireland and one in Georgia gave them second place in qualifying group. Um, that was with four wins and four, uh, four draws, um, but it was enough to qualify automatically. Uh, the iconic feature of their tournament came when star Christian Eriksen collapsed to the ground uh, with a heart attack which contributed to two opening losses to Finland and Belgium, uh, despite playing those games at home, uh, but ultimately motivating them to a great success, starting with the win over Russia, uh, to finish second in the qualifying stage atop a, th uh, a three-way tie. Uh, they crushed Wales in the round of 16 and then beat Czech Republic in the quarterfinal before taking to England to extra time, where they lost uh, narrowly in the semifinals. Mm, good campaign then. Uh, let's see how they did in their next campaign. That was World Cup 2022 uh, qualifying. And yeah, well. it was um, an excellent qualification run for Denmark, winning all games except the last one in Scotland, uh, which they lost, um, and having already secured top spot by that point. So nine wins from 10. Um, and that was enough for a comfortable finish uh, in their qualifying group. That excellent qualifying campaign, though, did not translate into the Cup. They tied Tunisia in their opener, lost to France, and then lost to Australia to finish last in the group behind two of the weakest teams in the tournament. 
Yeah, I think going into that tournament, we were pretty confident that they would uh, emerge from this group stage, hey? Absolutely, and possibly a, a dark horse as they were in the last Euro Cup. Um, it did seem like a group they could easily, easily get out of. Um, but yeah, very disappointing. Kind of. Yeah. Out. All right. Well, we're going to finish uh, with the uh, uh, 2022-23 uh, UEFA Nations League campaign. That was what actually uh, landed them in second or what first spot in this group. Yeah. Uh, so, so Denmark um, competed in uh, League A of the Nations League. They won their first two games away to. Uh, at, in France and Austria uh, before losing at home in Croatia or losing at home to Croatia. Um, and they would basically repeat the results in the second half, beating Austria and France again and losing to Croatia again, uh, finishing um, a point behind Croatia um, in second. So Denmark uh, will remain in um, League A for the upcoming Nations League. Yeah, so they'll remain there, but I guess not move on to the finals, which is unfortunate when you beat uh, the world champion twice. Yeah, yeah, they finish a full seven points ahead of France. Yeah. Okay, well, that brings us to the uh, end of Denmark, but we are going to finish with uh, just a quick overview of their players. So uh, they don't seem to have lost any players to retirement, although a lot of their starting players are well into their 30s, including... Uh, goalkeeper Kasper Schmeichel and captain uh, Simon Kerr. So talisman Christian Eriksen uh, does seem to be past his prime. And uh, coming in behind them, though, is a very solid squad of players uh, reaching their mid to late 20s now, which uh, kind of puts them in their prime. So Andreas Christiansen of Barcelona uh, is the only elite affiliation club-wise, uh, but others do play for solid second-tier clubs like uh, Joachim Mayl of Atalanta, Yusuf Poulsen of Leipzig, uh, Pierre-Emile Hoiberg of Tottenham, and that's really just naming a few of them. Uh, as far as youth goes, uh, it does seem a bit lacking, so that may become an issue uh, further down the road, but it doesn't seem to be uh, an issue at this point. All right, that brings us to the end of Denmark, and we move on to the second team, Finland. Uh, and we start with an overview of their participation and achievements. So uh, Finland is one of the older teams in Europe, having first entered the uh, World Cup in 1938. Uh, they withdrew during qualification for the 1950 World Cup, but have entered every edition since then. Uh, they didn't enter the first two Euro Cups, but uh, participated consistently since 1968. And they had never qualified for either cup until reaching the recently expanded Euro Cup in 2020. Okay, let's move on to a, a bit of a closer overview of their World Cup history. Uh, from 1938 to 1970, Finland finished at the bottom of their World Cup qualifying group, uh, earning the odd draw win, but more often suffering heavy defeats. Uh, 1974 started seeing them finish above some weaker teams like Albania and Luxembourg. Uh, but 1986 was their first competitive campaign, a fourth place finish, uh, unlucky considering they were undefeated at home as well as they beat Turkey on the road. From 1998, they began to consistently turn in more competitive campaigns. That year remains their closest, just a point behind second place Hungary, uh, who went on to a playoff and one point ahead of Switzerland. Uh, they generally finish a distant third uh, after that. 
2006 was a weak relative to this, finishing fourth, and 2018 was very poor, managing only a distant fifth spot behind Turkey. All right, let's uh, overview the Euro Cup. Um, so in uh, Euro Cup action, they uh, it's actually slightly different. Uh, they almost never suffered a heavy defeat, but generally finished fourth in their group here. So that means last place until 1988, with the exception of a competitive campaign in 1980, uh, where they were undefeated at home and finished third ahead of a terribly performing USSR. Uh, in 1992, uh, uh, that saw them undefeated at home, but they uh, still finished second last. And since then, it has almost always been a fourth place finish, despite a few wins, although 2008 was fourth of eight teams in the group, and they only lost two of uh, 14 games there, uh, only four points separating from the winner. So we'll take a closer look at that campaign soon. And 2020 was a great performance, beating out Greece and Bosnia-Herzegovina to reach their first cup. All right. Mm -hmm. Okay, let's take a look at uh, a deep dive into Euro Cup qualifying. So they uh, had their first campaign in 1968. Yeah, um, and there they earned home draws with Greece and Austria, but finished last in the group with USSR top. Uh, 1972 began well with an away draw in Czechoslovakia, which actually spoiled their campaign. Uh, however, they lost all their games after that for another last place finish. Yeah, 1976 was similar, except the campaign spoiling away draw came in the last game, and it was against Italy. Uh, so it was out of the blue when in 1980 they turned in a very competitive campaign, and that started with two home wins over Greece and Hungary and ended with a draw in the USSR uh, to condemn that uh, country to a humiliating last place finish. So uh, Finland themselves finished third in the group, tied with second place Hungary and just a point behind Greece, with whom they had a strange pair of games actually, beating them 2-0 uh, at home, but then losing to them 8-1 away. Wow. Uh, following that, Finland returned to their pattern of one away draw for a last place finish, uh, this time taking their point in Poland, who had finished third in the previous World Cup. 1988 was slightly better, opening with a home tie against Wales and closing with a home win over Czechoslovakia to once again spoil their campaign uh, as they had in 1972. Yeah, well, moving on to 1992, that, uh, that campaign saw them undefeated at home, tying all three teams that finished above them. Uh, they bested Malta there to avoid a last place finish. In 1996, there were two weak teams to finish ahead of, and they won all games over Faroe Islands and San Marino. Uh, they otherwise earned points only with a home win over Greece, but they finished uh, fourth uh, behind third place Greece there. Yeah, a tie in Turkey and a home win over Northern Ireland in their last game saw them finish in the top half of the table for the first time in, 2000, in the year 2000. However, that same record only earned them uh, fourth place in 2004, um, that record being three wins, a draw, and four losses. All right. Well, 2008 was an excellent campaign. Uh, it deserved actually more than the fourth place finish that they got. Uh, they were tied on points with third place Serbia, 
which was one of uh, uh, one of two losses of their 14 games in this gigantic 18 group. Uh, the other loss, ironically, was to last place Azerbaijan. On the other hand, they bested first place Poland, winning 3-1 in the away leg uh, that opened their campaign. Uh, 2012 was far weaker, though, and it was only an away draw in Hungary in their last game that uh, bought them a fourth-place finish above Moldova. 2016 was reasonably competitive for a fourth-place finish. Uh, they finished that campaign by tying the top two finishers, um, each of them requiring a late goal to avoid a loss. Uh, Finland, though, failed to reach the cup, which was newly expanded to 24 teams. All right, so that's a long history, but they have never reached the cup. Uh, but let's take a look at their most recent campaign, Euro 2020. And I think we've already given it away that they reached the cup here. Yeah, they reached actually their first ever major tournament by finishing second in their group uh, behind Italy. Uh, that was the only game they lost at home, uh, winning all others at home over third place Greek Greece as well as Bosnia-Herzegovina. They beat Armenia and Liechtenstein in both legs. Um, and yeah, so they finished second, um, 12 points behind Italy, but four points ahead of third place, Greece. Mm -hmm. um, at their tournament, um, they beat Denmark in their opener. Um, and as you mentioned, that was an emotional game when Danish star Christian Eriksen uh, suffered the heart attack. Uh, they went on to lose to Russia and Belgium, and they finished third in a three-way tie uh, for second place. Um, and thus failed to pass the group stage. Yeah, three points, not enough there. Uh, all right, let's move on to the uh, World Cup 2022 uh, qualifying campaign. Yeah, so uh, Finland actually had almost mathematical perfection in their third place finish in the qualifying group, losing both to winners France uh, and bested by second place Ukraine, then besting Bosnia and Herzegovina, who finished fourth, and twice beating last place Kazakhstan. So uh, a nice balance and a classic middle of the middle of the table finish. But unfortunately for them, not able to uh, to build on their success of reaching their first ever Euros. Yeah, three wins, two draws, three losses, and then uh, ten goals, four and ten goals against it's it's beautiful. <laughs> Okay, and uh, the last thing we look at in terms of their record, it's a 2022-23 UEFA Nations League uh, campaign. Yeah, um, Finland were in League B, um, and they finished second in, in what was actually a really tight group uh, with Bosnia and Herzegovina, Montenegro and Romania, all four teams separated by just four points. Uh, Finland also had a record of two wins, two draws, and two losses. So pretty mathematical there as well, but they were three points behind group winners Bosnia and will remain in League B. League B, okay. And uh, let's finish with a quick look at their players. So uh, Finland is really reliant on Timo Puki for goals, uh, but he's 33 years old now and may not last much beyond this qualification uh, to say nothing of his production falling off as he gets older. Uh, other forwards, uh, Pojan Palo and Kalman, are stepping up, but it's hard to see them scoring 16 of their 26 goals like Kuki did over their last two campaigns. Uh, also 33 uh, is their biggest club affiliation. That is goalkeeper and captain uh, Lukas Hradecki. 
Uh, they do have several players with respectable second and third tier clubs like Rangers in Scotland or Sparta Prague in Czech Republic. And some younger players have better connections still, uh, such as goalkeeper Lucas Bergstrom of Chelsea and uh, Vijalma Sinisalo uh, of Aston Villa. 18-year-old Thomas Galvez of Manchester City also holds promise. And none of those have really come uh, into the into the picture yet, but uh, good potential there. Yeah, hopefully that uh, potential materializes for them. Yeah. All right, well, we move on to our next team, which is Slovenia. And uh, we'll begin with a, an overview of their participation and achievements. So their first international game was in 1991, and they were part of the older Yugoslavia, breaking off together with Croatia in the early 90s, while other teams like Serbia continued on under the name of Yugoslavia, uh, Yugoslavia FR. So we gave a good history of that when we covered Serbia, and we won't go into detail here. Uh, we'll just say that their first tournament uh, was in 1996, the 1996 Euro Cup, and they have consistently entered both that and and the World Cup since uh, since 1996. Uh, in terms of achievement, it's kind of feast or famine for Slovenia. Uh, they qualified for the 2000 Euro Cup and the 2002 World Cup in what was their strongest period. And they also reached the 2010 World Cup. But otherwise, they have almost always finished in the bottom half of the table uh, uh, in World Cup qualification. Uh, although 2000 remains their only Euro Cup qualification, they did reach a final playoff twice besides, but otherwise finished in the bottom half of the table here too. All right, let's move on to uh, their World Cup overview in a little bit more detail. Uh, so their successful qualification for the 2002 World Cup over Yugoslavia FR, um, of course their former parent country, uh, and Switzerland, and then going undefeated uh, in the group was all the more impressive considering they only had a single tie in 1998 World Cup qualifying. Wow. Um, they lost all campaign or all games once in the World Cup, um, but they did better in 2010 where they beat Algeria and tied the USA uh, at the World Cup before losing to England. In both cases, though, it was a group stage exit. Otherwise, they finished in the bottom half of the table uh, in all but 2014, uh, where they finished third of six. But right. overall, pretty impressive for a small country to uh, to reach the World Cup twice. Uh, yeah, yeah, but uh, it is odd that, you know, they, they tend to either reach the World Cup or, or finish in the bottom half of the table. You not really never know what you're going to get. Yeah. Uh, let's see how that plays out in the uh, Euro Cup. Uh, we'll do a, an overview. So uh, as we noted, they reached the World Cup in 2000. And then uh, they reached the playoff, uh, UEFA playoffs in 2004, suggesting it was a good period rather than a flash in the pan because uh, they reached the World Cup in between those two. Uh, they won a playoff over the Ukraine in 2000, but they lost it to Croatia in 2004. Uh, 2008 was their worst campaign. They finished six of seven, uh, but like World Cup quali qualification, uh, fourth of six had been their standard finish in recent years. In 2016, they did a bit better, finishing third, um, and that was good enough for a playoff in the expanded edition. Uh, but once again, they lost the playoff, uh, this time to Ukraine. 
All right. Well, let's take a look at uh, a deep dive into Euro Cup qualifying history. So that begins in 1996. Yes, yeah, Slovenia opened their account with a home draw against Italy in 1996 Euro Cup qualifying. They followed that up with a tie in Ukraine. Um, but despite uh, eventually besting Ukraine, they finished fifth of six in the group behind them. Um, they were ahead of Estonia, who they beat twice, um, but otherwise, uh, like we said, fifth out of uh, six in that group. Yeah. Do you want to continue into 2000? Yeah. So despite earning only a single draw in their 1998 World Cup qualifying, qualifying campaign, they were competitive in Euro qualifying in 2000 um, and entered into their strongest period with a second place finish uh, behind Norway, but ahead of Greece uh, in a relatively easy grouping. They went on to a final playoff where they bested Ukraine uh, to reach the Euro Cup. All right. Well, uh, 2002 did see them also reach the uh, World Cup, and they remained strong into 2004, where they finished uh, in second place behind France. Uh, that was their only two losses to France, and they were well ahead of third place Israel. Uh, they again reached a playoff where, despite tying Croatia in the first leg away, they lost at home and so uh, didn't reach the cup there. Their period of strength was truly over when they finished 6th of 7 in 2008 Euro qualifying. They exchanged evenly with Belarus and Albania, but finished behind them both, having taken no points from the top three finishers. Two and, um, sorry, 2012 was more competitive, um, and despite finishing fourth, they were only two points out of second place. It was two losses to last place Northern Ireland, who they meet here, um, that uh, prevented them from finishing ahead of Serbia, uh, who they bested. Yeah, and uh, 2016 um, featured a home win over second place Switzerland, and good consistency over the teams uh, below landed them in third place in the group. Uh, for the newly expanded cup, this was good enough for a playoff, uh, a playoff spot. But uh, even though they beat Ukraine in 2000, uh, they lost to them here and didn't reach the cup. So we move on to 2020, the uh, most recent Euro Cup qualifying, and we'll take a closer look at that one. Yeah, so at home, Slovenia lost only to second place Austria, even beating group winners Poland here. They bested Israel, but were bested by third place North Macedonia, uh, which uh, led to them finishing fourth in the group. Um, Latvia um, was the bottom finisher, and uh, Slovenia beat them twice. Uh, despite finishing ahead of Israel, who were fifth, they didn't advance to a playoff round, although Israel did uh, because of the results of the 2019-20 Euro Nations League. Right, so uh, fourth place, and we said that was kind of their standard finish. Uh, let's see if that was the case in World Cup 2022 qualifying. Uh, Slovenia beat uh, group winners Croatia in their opening match and lost only to Russia while at home. Uh, but on the road, they managed only a draw with Slovakia, uh, who they also tied at home, and then uh, a win over Malta. But they lost in Cyprus, which ultimately saw them finishing fourth in the qualifying group. So their standard finish once again uh, behind Croatia, Russia and Slovakia. All right. Uh, let's see if they did any better in 2022-23 UEFA Nations League uh, campaign. Uh, Slovenia uh, were in League B. Um, it started poorly with losses to Sweden and Serbia, but they went undefeated for the remainder. 
um, that was three ties um, and then a win, um, their sole win coming at home over Norway. So they finished third of fourth um, ahead of uh, Sweden, it must be said, um, and will remain in League B um, for the next edition. Yeah, Sweden uh, relegated from League B there. Okay, and we'll finish with uh, a look at their players. So uh, their biggest affiliation, uh, club affiliation, is uh, 30-year-old uh, goalkeeper Jan Oblak, who plays for Atletico Madrid. Uh, and they also have two players with uh, Udinese and three with uh, Panathinaikos in Greece, who are currently battling for uh, first place in the Greek League, actually. And beyond that, it's fairly nondescript clubs. Uh, the, th uh, the team is thin in terms of quality starters uh, in the overall pool and also in young players with just three active players below 23 years old. Uh, but one of them, 19-year-old Benjamin Sesco, is an exciting project, uh, uh, sorry, prospect. <laughs> he plays with uh, Red Bull Salzburg. And uh, even though he's just 19, he already has 19 caps and six goals for them. So maybe one to keep an eye on there. All right, well, that's the end of uh, Slovakia, uh, Slovenia, and we move on to uh, Kazakhstan. And uh, Kazakhstan is a bit special. They uh, also were in the uh, Asian League, so we're going to take a look at that in their history. So um, we'll begin with participation and achievements, and their first international game was in 1992. Uh, they were part of the Soviet Union, um, before that, and they played their first international game as an independent nation there in 1992. So even though they were not grouped with European teams, uh, they were part of the Asian region from their first tournament. So uh, Asian Cup 1996 qualification until 2002, after which they migrated to UEFA. So they played two World Cup campaigns amongst the Asian teams and two Asian Cup campaigns. And their uh, changing over actually caused them to miss the uh, 2004 Asian Cup. And uh, because they were too late to enter qualifying, they also missed the 2004 Euro Cup. However, they participated in World Cup since 1998 and in all, uh, in all UEFA um, Cup qualifications since 2006. All right, in terms of achievements, actually their chances were far better uh, in the Asian region than in the European region. Uh, they reached the final round of World Cup qualification in 1998, but fell one point uh, short of reaching the 2000 Asian Cup. In World Cup qualifying, uh, staying off the bottom of the table was as much as they could do when, once they got to Europe. But they did slightly better in Euro Cup qualifying, but invariably finished in the bottom half of the table. Okay, let's uh, take a bit of a closer look at World Cup qualifying. Oh, yes, yeah, so um, Kazakhstan's first two World Cup campaigns were in the Asian region, as you, as you mentioned. Uh, 1998 saw them advance over Iraq in round, round one of two uh, to face the best teams in the region in the final round uh, where they finished last of five. In 2002, Iraq got the better of them in round one of two um, and took the single advancing spot. Uh, their introduction to World Cup qualifying among European teams saw them earn only a single point over their 12 games in the 2006 campaign. It improved only to earning a smattering of points and avoiding last place uh, and that only when other feeble teams were involved. 
Um, this translated to fifth of six place finishes to fifth um, or six place finishes in 2010 and 2014. All right, uh, we'll take a quick look at the, uh, how they did when they were part of the Asian Cup. So they entered Asian Cup qualification in 1996. Uh, they won their first ever qualification match over Qatar, but lost all subsequent games to finish third at Syria, taking the only advancing spot in the group. But 2000 saw a more competitive campaign. It took the odd form of a mini tournament, uh, which took place in the country of the leading team. So they came second in the group of five, winning all games except the tournament host Qatar, who took the only advancing spot uh, there in 2000. And after that, we moved over to uh, Euro Cup, uh, missing 2004, but uh, beginning in 2008. You want to overview their history there? Yeah, they were uh, reasonably competitive in their first campaign, earning 10 points and, points and finishing sixth of eight in the giant group. That would be their best finish as they earned no more than five points in 2012 and 2016 campaigns and finished last and second last respectively. Um, 2010 saw them competitive enough to earn 10 points as they did in 2008, but they still finished second last. Right, so we won't do a deep dive into uh, Asian Cup qualifying history. Uh, we'll just take a look at their Euro Cup history. So as we said, they didn't uh, make it in time for the 2004 Euro Cup. So uh, we're going to begin with the 2008 campaign. All right. So their first qualification among European teams um, was in the 2006 World Cup where they proved feeble. But it was not so in, in Euro 2008 qualifying uh, where in the massive 18 group, they beat third place Serbia and twice a poorly performing Belgium. Um, an away win in Armenia in the last game allowed them to leapfrog into sixth place for what remains their best finish. Yeah, uh, it was Azerbaijan in last place in that group in 2008, and they met again in 2012. The two exchanged home wins there, but Kazakhstan otherwise uh, only earned one more point, drawing Austria at home in their last game. So that wasn't enough to get them ahead of Azerbaijan, and they finished uh, last of six behind them. In 2016, they bested Latvia to finish fifth of six ahead of them. Um, they also earned a point against second place Iceland, tying them on the road and spoiling what would have otherwise been a first place finish uh, for the informed Northerners. Um, though it didn't actually matter as Iceland still qualified automatically. Yeah, that's true. Uh, okay, well, we'll take a closer look at the Euro 2020 campaign. That's their most recent. Uh, Kazakhstan beat third place Scotland at home in their opener, and then they beat San Marino twice, who they meet again here. Uh, but the only other point was an away draw with Cyprus, uh, who they tied on points with but finished behind, uh, settling for fifth place in the qualifying group, uh, a group won by Belgium and Russia. All right, so yeah, bottom of the table there. Let's see if they did any better in World Cup 2022. Um, Kazakhstan tied home and away with Ukraine and also tied Bosnia and Herzegovina away, but those were their only three points and they finished last in the qualifying group, uh, losing all other games. Uh, Finland and France were the other teams in that group. Yes, okay. Yeah, it seems like uh, unless there is kind of a weaker team in the group, they, they tend to finish last. Uh, let's see how they did in 2022-23 UEFA Nations League. 
So Kazakhstan were grouped uh, in League C, um, and they actually had a, a phenomenal campaign. They won all games at home over Azerbaijan, Slovakia, and Belarus, and they also beat Slovakia away to finish first place in the group. So um, Kazakhstan have been promoted to League B uh, for the next edition, where they could meet England uh, in the Nations League. Oh. <laughs> wow, that's uh, that's uh, quite something to wrap my head around there. <laughs> all right, well, we'll finish with a look at Kazakhstan's uh, players. So almost all of the players are with domestic clubs, uh, mostly with the strongest club, uh, Astana. And uh, there are three players who play for respectable clubs in Russia and one who plays for a little-known club in Belgium. Uh, so 25-year-old um, uh, Zenut, Zenut Dinov, oh my God, is the outstanding player. Should have practiced that name, Connor. Uh, maybe you can work on it while I'm, while I'm talking to you. Anyway, uh, Zenut Dinov uh, with Seska uh, Moscow. Uh, he has 28 caps and 11 goals, so he's by far their highest scorer. And the team does have a number of veteran defenders uh, retiring or close to the age of retiring, uh, leaving them with a fairly young squad uh, quite a number of the players in the 2020, oh, sorry, in the 22 years old to 25, 22 to 25 range, uh, especially in the midfield and attack. So basically, uh, the defensive veterans and the midfield and attack is uh, younger. Uh, so that may account for the better performance in the 2022-23 UEFA Nations League, but uh, it's too little evidence to base much claims on their improvement. And the fact is that so many of their players uh, are in the home league argues against great hope uh, for improvement. Okay, I challenge you to say that name. I'm going to go with Bakatyar Zanutinov. Oh, well, that sounded better than what I said. It was just confident. That's, that's all it was in my career. Okay, now you predicted uh, our next team, Northern Ireland, as the uh, most inconsistent team uh in in what did i say the world or in europe i think perhaps? in europe yeah so uh let's take a look at their history and see if we're right so uh, northern ireland's first international game was way back in 1882 and that was 10 years after england and scotland and uh, six years after wales so wales is a, a little bit older there Woo. Uh, like these other United Kingdom teams, uh, sorry, like the other United Kingdom teams that I just mentioned, they didn't join FIFA before the war, but played in a more local grouping called the Home Nations. Uh, and they've consist consistently participated in the World Cup since 1950 and in the Euro Cup since its second edition in 1964. And my tongue is misbehaving, so I'm gonna I'm gonna let you do the the achievements. Um, well, Northern Ireland's defining feature is wild inconsistency. So I was I was right in my guess. Yeah, well um, done. <laughs> and that was evident in qualifying for the World Cup three times, but never for the Euro Cup until an amazing campaign in 2016. Uh, the best result is one step beyond the group stage in both 1958 and 1982 World Cups. They also qualified in 1986, making the early 80s their strongest period, as it results their closest brushes in qualifying for the Euro Cup. The second place finishes in their qualifying group did not get them there, though, 
So their biggest uh, Euro Cup success was their first appearance in 2016, where they also passed a group stage. A good showing in the following campaign argues this period as their second strong peak. Okay, well, we'll take a, a bit of a closer look and some of the inconsistencies go down to details, but uh, we're still in overview mode with the uh, World Cup overview. Yeah, having reached the Cup once in 1958, they qualified twice in a row in 1982 and 86 uh, under goalkeeper Pat Jennings. They went one step further by passing the group stage in 1958 and 1982, knocked out by Czechoslovakia in 58 and by France and Austria in a second group stage in 1982. Qualifying campaigns show them capable of beating the best. They knocked Italy out in 1958 and Sweden in 1982 and had good campaigns in 1966, 1994 and 2010. They are also capable of losing to much weaker teams, finishing behind Armenia in 1998 and Azerbaijan in 2014, both immediately after strong campaigns. That inconsistency has seen them finishing in the bottom half of the group uh, every time since 1986. Um, true to their reputation, though, they bucked the trend with a good showing in 2018 qualification, where they finished second in their group to reach a final playoff. Wow, you never know what you're going to get with Northern Ireland. Okay, let's take a look at the Euro Cup overview. So they uh, had never qualified for the Euro Cup until an amazing campaign in 2016. A good run of three second-place finishes from 1976 to 1984 is surrounded by campaigns where they finished in the bottom half of the table. In fact, uh, they slowly sank to third, uh, then to fourth, and then to fifth, where they landed in 2004 and again in 2012. Uh, despite that, they have some enjoy. Uh, sorry, they have enjoyed some spectacular successes at the game level, especially in 1984, where they beat West Germany twice, and in 2008, where they bested Sweden and Denmark, as well as beating eventual champion Spain, all in the same campaign. Shocking inconsistency, though, uh, saw it end up in a poor result. Uh, 2016 saw the rewards that consistency can bring. A solid campaign saw them finish first in the group and reach the Cup, where, somewhat uh, luckily, they reached the round of 16 for their best Euro Cup result. All right, so let's take a closer look at that qualifying as we go into our deep dive. Northern Ireland's first entry in 1964 saw them paired with Poland in a knockout-style qualification. They won both games, leading them to round two of three and to Spain. Uh, they gained an advantage by tying in the away leg, but then lost at home, a hint of the inconsistency that defines them. Right, and uh, 1968 saw a move to a group stage qualification, and their group was a combination of two British home championship tournaments. So they came last among the four United Kingdom teams there. All right, in 1972, they faced more broad European competition and were undefeated at home, tying both USSR and Spain, but losses on the roads on them finished behind them both. Uh, that was in third. In 1976, they exchanged wins with all teams in the group, away wins in the case of Sweden, and finished second behind Yugoslavia. And this was the beginning of a strong period. Yeah, they won all home games in 1980, except a group winner, England, who finished 
uh, who they finished in second behind. And 1984 should have seen them winning the group as they won all home games as well as beating group winner West Germany away. However, inconsistency in other away games prevented it. Uh, losses in Austria and Turkey, as well as a tie in Albania, leave them in, leaving them in second place uh, behind West Germany on goal difference. Uh, that was their third second place finish in a row and the closest that they would ever come to the Cup until 2016. 1988 saw them drop the third place where they would land for the next two campaigns. 1992 showed inconsistency in tying second place Denmark at home, but also last place Faroe Islands. 1996 was odd in that they were undefeated on the road. Tying Portugal and Ireland away, they lost to both at home, but were really undone by a home loss to Latvia, uh, costing them an advancing spot for the newly expanded tournament. Right, well, 2000 was also a weak campaign and saw them drop to fourth in the table, battling at the bottom with Finland and Moldova. Uh, 2004, on the other hand, was more inconsistent. Uh, two ties with Ukraine and a tie with Spain contrasted two losses to Armenia, who they finished behind, and uh, now dropping to last place in the group. Wow, I see what you mean about that inconsistency. Yeah, just terrible. Uh, Northern Ireland bounced back in 2008, though, in a campaign that most illustrates their inconsistency. Winning all home games in the large 17 group, except for an opening loss to sixth place Iceland, they also tied Denmark and Sweden on the road. Uh, but besting them and beating group winner Spain on the verge of their dynasty was undermined with road losses in Iceland and Latvia. It was almost a glorious campaign led by David Healy, who scored 13 of their 17 goals, but the inconsistency left them in third place. Yeah, and 2012 was no less so. Uh, an opening win in Slovenia and a draw in Italy was followed by a draw with the uh, Faroe Islands and the campaign cratered towards the end, losing the last four games, uh, two of those to us, uh, Estonia and finishing fifth of six in the end. Uh, there was little foreshadowing of their first place finish in the 2016 Euro campaign. Though bested by Romania, who handed them their only loss, they otherwise suffered only two draws. Uh, earning them first their first appearance in the Euro tournament, um, so topping Romania, Hungary, Finland, Faroe Islands, and Greece. Wow! <laughs> oh man, it, it you know we could argue that inconsistency is so profound that it leads them to bouts of consistency. <laughs> <laughs> Let's take a look at the Euro Cup campaign to see if they uh, finished or followed up on that in uh, 2020. Sure. That was a lovely turn of phrase. I'm going to compliment you on that. Oh, thank you. <laughs> uh, in 2020, they won their first four games, uh, though they though they were against Belarus and Estonia, who finished below them. After that, they earned a draw at home to Netherlands, but otherwise lost to them and Germany, losing 6-1 in, in the away game to finish third in, qual in their qualifying group. Uh, their Nations League performance, however, qualified them for a playoff round where they won on penalties in Bosnia-Herzegovina in the semi-final. In the final, they scored an equalizer at 87 minutes to keep their chances alive, but visitors Slovakia took the advancing spot with a goal uh, in extra time. Wow, pretty tight there. Yeah, heartbreaking. Mm-hmm. All right, well, let's see how they fared in World Cup 2022 qualifying. 
Uh, Northern Ireland were undefeated at home, um, but three of the games were draws, uh, including against the top two, Switzerland and Italy. But they lost all on the road except for a win in, in Lithuania. This left them far behind Italy um, and left them third in their qualifying group um, on a point ahead of Bulgaria, uh, who bested them. Right, okay. Well, um, they're a pot five team here, so I'm guessing they didn't do well in 2022-23 UEFA Nations League. And yeah, you're, you're correct in that. They were in League C, um, where they should at least be competitive, but they only won one of their six games. Um, they lost twice to Greece. Um, they best, and they, sorry, they shared home wins with uh, Kosovo, and then they uh, tied Cyprus twice. Um, so yeah, five points. They actually survived relegation to League D um, only on goal difference over Cyprus. So um, really a poor campaign. Yeah, yeah, that uh, that kind of explains why they're pot five here, but uh, probably not the fifth strongest team in the group, but we'll get to that. Uh, we'll take a look at their players. Uh, most of their players are with lower league English teams, and they're really no outstanding names. Uh, Johnny Evans, who is with Leicester, is now 35 years old, and uh, Jamal Lewis rarely gets on the field for Newcastle. Uh, however, that may not matter much, because... Uh, since some of their biggest national team stars uh, are not notable players at their clubs. Uh, I think we mentioned David Healy. Do you remember who he played for? I think he played for Fulham and maybe a stint with Leeds. Yeah, my, uh, Preston North End is in my mind too. Anyway, mm -hmm. not not the uh, top club. So um, doing better for the national team than, than for the uh, club teams. Uh, they do have some young players with promising affiliations, most notably 19-year-old Charles Shea, uh, who's with Manchester City. But he and five other youngsters with Premier League teams right now are too underdeveloped or too undeveloped to pin a lot of hope on at this point. But uh, good affiliations there. Mm -hmm. All right, and our last team to look at is uh, San Marino, and we'll start with an overview of their participation and achievements. So uh, San Marino has been an independent state actually since the mid to late Roman Empire, wow. and they had a football federation uh, from way back in 1931. But only in 1986 did they establish a national team, and in 1988 they were admitted to FIFA. Uh, prior to that, any players uh, would have played for Italy. Their first campaign was for the 1992 Euro Cup, and they participated consistently in both competitions since then. But uh, they've always been one of the weakest teams in the world. Uh, in terms of achievement, they measure any success at the game level, since they always finish last in their groups. And even at the game level, successful results in the form of wins or ties are so rare the progress can only be measured by their goals record, specifically how many goals they allow against in a campaign. So perhaps their biggest success was not a win, but, uh, oh, do you know this, Dory? Uh, scoring a goal after just 8.3 seconds against England in 1994 World Cup qualifying. Wow, I didn't. Uh, it sounds familiar now, but I wouldn't have picked that out. Yeah, not only that, but it added to England's humiliation of not reaching that World Cup. Uh, in the end, they lost the game 7-1, but uh, uh, I, I think that record may still stand. Wow. All right, let's take a look at their World Cup uh, overview. 
So in World Cup play, they have two draws to their name coming in 1994 and 2002. Uh, a goals against average of less than four goals allowed per game is a relatively good campaign for them. 2000 was their best campaign in this regard because in addition to their draw in Latvia, they allowed 3.75 goals per game. The following campaign in 2006 was 4.0 against, but it fell from there to a low of 5.7 in 2014. Another way of measuring may be narrow losses where they were beaten by a goal. They have a handful of those results, most notably a 1-0 loss in Poland in 1994 and a 2-1 home loss to Belgium in 2006. Otherwise, uh, it is to weak teams, um, the last being to Azerbaijan in 2018. Goals scored is another measure, and they get at least one in every campaign, most famously their record-setting fast goal against England in 1994. Three goals in 2002 was their best offensive output in a campaign, including one of each one in each of their uh, legs against Belgium. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, moving on to Euro Cup overview, uh, their success is even worse here. They have only one point in their qualification history, earning a goalless draw at home to Estonia in their Euro 2016 campaign. Uh, here, too, they have a smattering of losses by only one goal, the best of which was, was a 1-2 uh, loss uh, against Austria in 2000, and um, both Ireland and Wales in 2008, a single goal margin there. A 3.6 goal average in their 1996 Euro campaign remains their best, closely matched by 3.75 in 2004, and actually hitting that same 3.6 average in 2016. But it did sink to 5.3 uh, in 2012 and 5.1 in 2020. So, uh, yeah, we won't spend a lot of time on that deep dive because they just uh, basically lose all the games. But do you want to take it away? Yeah. Uh, 1992 saw them in a difficult group. Bulgaria was the weakest team. They lost all games there um, and would until their single draw in Euro qualifying in 2016. Uh, their best results were consecutive losses by two goal margins at home to Romania and Scotland. That was in 1992. Right. And in 1996, they were grouped with Faroe Islands, offering some hope of a point. However, they lost 3-0 uh, and 3-1 against Faroe Island. So the campaign did feature four of their 10 games lost by only two goal margins. And that was their best goals against average with a uh, average of 3.6 goals against per game. In 2000, they lost to Austria and Cyprus in back-to-back -back games by only a one goal margin. But a 9-0 loss in Spain was their heaviest defeat since a 10-0 loss to Norway in the first ever qualification campaign or qualification game. Uh, against Norway in the 1994 World Cup qualifying. Yeah, and uh, moving on to 2004, their best result was a 0-1 loss to Latvia, a team who actually surprised by finishing uh, second in the group, if you remember that year. Mm -hmm. And uh, 20, uh, 2008 opened with their heaviest defeat ever. That was a 13-0 loss at the hands of Germany. Uh, uh, they were at home, no less. Uh, they were, however, three losses uh, by one goal margins in that campaign, including a 2-1 home loss to both Ireland and Wales. Uh, in 2012, they lost 1-0 to Finland at home for their best result, but suffered an 11-0 defeat at the hands of Netherlands, uh, again at home. 
That campaign featured their worst goal record of zero scored and 53 against over mm -hmm. 10 games. 2016, of course, featured their only point in Euro Cup qualifying and a goalless draw with Estonia. And they otherwise were competitive in Lithuania, losing 2-1 on an injury time goal. Uh, the goal they scored was their first goal in 14 years. Oh my God, I'm sinking into a depression just reading this here. <laughs> Let's take a look at 2020 a bit more closely. Uh, in 2020, they lost uh, all games by a margin of two goals or more to finish dead last in their qualifying group, uh, which had Belgium, Russia, Scotland, Cyprus, and Kazakhstan. Their goal record was one scored and 51 against over 10 games, the only goal coming at home to Kazakhstan, who they meet here. Oh, yes, maybe they, uh, they're in for another goal then. Uh, let's see how they did in 2020. They were with Andorra here. Yeah, but uh, they lost all games again, and even Andorra uh, had little problem with them. Uh, they finished last of six in their qualifying group, um, managing just a single goal, um, but a goal difference of minus 45. Yeah, okay, so uh, there it is for um, San Marino, and uh, we'll finish with a look at their 2022-23 uh, UEFA Nations League. Yeah, they are in League D, so uh, there they get to face um, some of the weakest teams in Europe and not have to play some of the, the heavyweights. But even here, they lost all four games without scoring a goal. Um, those defeats coming to Malta and Estonia. Yeah, and, you know, teams like Andorra and Malta, uh, you know, we can compare on the basis of goals against because those teams do well to get under three, an average of three in a campaign. And San Marino is a full goal, uh, a full goal behind that. So they're, they're weak even in relation to those teams. A mm -hmm. uh, quick look at their players then uh, to finish. Approximately 80% of the players are with local clubs, the rest playing for very low-level teams in, uh, in Italy. Uh, no player has more than one international goal on his record. And I'm not dead sure, but I think a lot of their players are uh, not professional. Yeah, I mean, I think in a country of 33,000, if they have their own league, it's... it's just local right yeah yeah probably okay well uh, nevertheless they're in this group and uh, making up the team and we're gonna move on to part three and uh we go to uh, a look at the pots that they come from yeah and this is interesting that the pots are based on um uefa nations league performance and not rankings you mentioned actually as we were going through this that that finland um, who are the pot two team um, and Slovenia, who are the pot three team, are actually consistent fourth out of six finishers, both of them, um, yet they're in pots above them. So um, anyways, we'll talk about what impact that might have uh, on the on the outcome. Um, but in terms of the team, uh, Denmark um, are ranked uh, were ranked fifth among Europa League or UEFA teams, so um, a decent pot one team. Uh, Finland just squeaked into pot two um, based on their League B performances, but they were bottom of pot two. Uh, Slovenia came from the middle of pot three. Um, the pot four team is Kazakhstan, again, coming from, from the middle of that pot. Uh, Northern Ireland, due to their very poor Nations League campaign, found themselves in pot five, the same pot as Gibraltar and, and Malta and some, some much weaker teams. Mm. And then finally... San Marino was one of just three teams to make up pot six. Um, yeah. 
Yeah, so it does uh, lead to some interesting things. Uh, uh, to me, I think obviously Northern Ireland is uh, seriously underrated. And uh, you said uh, Finland and perhaps even Slovenia overrated, uh, given that they're pop two and three, but usually finish fourth. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I think it's interesting. I think perhaps this group more than any, um, you know, even in terms of how many Euro qualifying's the teams have, I mean, it's not that many other than Denmark, kind of shows why using strictly Nations League um, performances as pots has its weaknesses or drawbacks. Yeah, definitely. A poor campaign can really uh, uh, put you much lower than you are. And actually, on that note, it's good to compare that uh, with the rankings, which we move on to next, the FIFA and ELO rankings. Yeah. Um, Denmark are a, really a pot one team. They're um, 18th overall in, in FIFA rankings and 15th in ELO. Um, and they were actually much lower about kind of six or seven years ago when they were in the 40s and 30s in both rankings, but they've been above 20 in both rankings since December 2017. Yeah, good Euro Cup campaign in 2020 helping them there. Uh, how about Finland from pot two? Finland are 56th in FIFA and 51st in ELO. They dipped to uh, 100th in the FIFA rankings in June 2017, um, only as low as 77 in ELO. And have kind of risen since then, and they've kind of settled around that 40, 50 mark for the last couple of years. All right. Yeah, so they're actually uh, uh, slightly ahead of Slovenia. Let's take a look at them. Yeah, Slovenia are 62nd in FIFA, and actually a tad ahead of Finland at 49th in the ELO rankings. But all that to say, they're fairly close together. Uh, Slovenia haven't actually had a lot of wild swings. They've been fairly consistent, really, for the past decade. Okay, well, uh, pot 14, do you want to do Kazakhstan or Northern Ireland next? We'll go in pot order. Okay. Um, so we'll do Kazakhstan. You'll excuse me for just a Sorry. Um, Kazakhstan, um, they are 115th in the world and 105th uh, in ELO, 105th in FIFA. They um, have actually... Uh, rarely been um, above 100 in ELO in either system except for, for the odd blip. But where they're at now is actually a bit of a, a recent a recent high. Okay, uh, uh, pot five Northern Ireland is actually uh, closer to Finland and Slovenia there. Yes, uh, the pot five team is actually ahead of the pot three team in FIFA rankings. Wow. Uh, Northern Ireland 59th but, uh, in FIFA rankings, but 74th in ELO. ELO represents a bit of a more of a long-term average. Um, it's a bit of a drop from where Northern Ireland uh, have been. Uh, unsurprisingly, they were much higher uh, around their last Euro qualification in 2016, uh, getting as high as 22nd in the FIFA rankings um, in June 2017, but never rising more than 46th uh, in ELO at that time. Yeah, pretty steep drop-off, and they've been below 100 in ELO, so just really all over the place, uh, speaking to their inconsistency. And then San Marino are 211th uh, in FIFA and 210th in ELO, so uh, a broad consensus there. Um, the FIFA rankings don't really go much lower than that. Um, if they break, if they ever break 100, it's, it's really, I guess... Um, notable for them but really 200s or lower is where they where they tend to lie right so we're not expecting uh, that much of them here 
Uh, let's move on to the head-to-head, -head, uh, the head-to-head -head, uh, view of teams. So we'll race through this fairly quickly. Yeah, Denmark has a winning record against Finland. Uh, two wins and a loss. They've only met three times. Right, and the last one, of course, was that 2020 meeting in the Euro Cup group stage where uh, I think, you know, Finland uh, mostly won because uh, Denmark was uh, really upset about the, the heart attack uh, yeah. of Christian Eriksen, so... Uh, Denmark and Slovenia have played twice, and Denmark won both of those matches. That was way back in 1998, so probably not that relevant. And then Denmark has a perfect record against Kazakhstan, four wins from four games. Yeah, last met in the 2018 World Cup qualifying, so 4-1 and 3-1 wins there. And then Denmark versus Northern Ireland has a fairly competitive record, four wins for Denmark, four draws and two losses. Yeah, but their last meeting was way back in 2008, so again, not that relevant. And then Denmark and San Marino haven't met, so an okay. even record. Yeah, <laughs> good old San Marino. Uh, all right, let's see where Finland is uh, kind of uh, ahead. Uh, Finland actually hasn't met Slovenia, so this will be their first time. Um, Finland versus Kazakhstan, Finland has a perfect 4-0 record. Yeah, and they just met in 2022 World Cup qualifying, so Finland won both uh, legs there. And then Finland has a perfect record against San Marino from four meetings with them. Yeah. Okay, well, let's move on to Slovenia and see who they're beating. Uh, Slovenia um, have never met uh, Kazakhstan, um, but they have met San Marino um, and have four wins from four there. All right, yeah, and we put uh, uh, Slovenia... Um, first because they're the pot one team but uh no meetings with kazakhstan let's see who kazakhstan is beating um and they haven't met northern ireland um but they have met san marino um that was in 2020 euro qualifying and kazakhstan won both that's right and uh, northern ireland have a good record over a few teams here yeah they were competitive but have a losing record against denmark against finland though they're three wins one draw and two defeats yeah, and uh, they bested Finland in the 2016 Euro Cup qualifying, a very good campaign for Northern Ireland there. And Northern Ireland has met Slovenia four times and has won two, tied one and lost just one. Yeah, 2010 and 2012, they met in back-to-back uh, -back qualifications there. Um, Northern Ireland has not met Kazakhstan, as we mentioned. And then finally, Northern Ireland has met San Marino four times and has four wins. Right, last time, 2018 World Cup qualifying. So uh, San Marino don't have any points against uh, any of the teams here. Uh, let's move on to odds and see if that sheds any light on what we can expect here. Um, Denmark has 82% odds of winning the group, um, so heavy favourites. Uh, it's actually Slovenia, the pot three team next, with 14%. Uh, Finland has 8.5%. And then Northern Ireland a bit behind at 5.6. Um, pot 14, Kazakhstan given just a 1% chance. And then San Marino given uh, a 0% chance of winning the group. Right. Uh, so uh, let's begin our discussion there. Obviously, Denmark uh, far out ahead. Do you agree with that? I do. Um, I do think Denmark are a genuine pot one team. Um, you know, they prove it when they get to World Cup, which they often do, and uh, in Nations League. They're very competitive at, in Group A. So, um, yeah, I do see Denmark as, as heavy favorites. 
Do you see their uh, weak performance in the World Cup as uh, maybe affecting them here? I, I think they're vulnerable to um, to losing games um, or, or dropping points. Um, it is a relatively easy group for them, though. I, I mentioned Finland and Slovenia, the pot two and three teams, really being historical fourth-place finishers. So I don't really see a, a second-tier team to, to challenge them. Um, I think Denmark could slip up, but probably won't be much worse off for it. Yeah, and the other thing, too, I would add to that is, uh, you know, the teams below them will kind of be exchanging points with each other. So uh, I doubt there's going to be one team uh, emerging strong enough to challenge uh, challenge Denmark. So I'm with you on that. Yeah, that's um, a very good point. Yeah, about those teams below, they're, they're kind of heavily favouring, well, heavily is maybe too strong a word, but more than I expected, uh, favouring Slovenia. Uh, over Finland and over Northern Ireland, do you uh, do you agree with that? It's it's tough to say. Um, I I think Finland um, are definitely on the decline, um, and uh, you know Timo Puki isn't even getting regular time at his club team Norwich. Um, so I think that's a huge concern for Finland because really their their recent peak has has coincided with his excellent goal scoring form. Um, I, I think it's quite wide open, honestly. Northern Ireland, if they put in a good campaign, you know, it could be theirs for the taking. But um, see, you know, their historical inconsistency obviously casts a shadow on that. Um, and then I would favor Slovenia over Kazakhstan. So, yeah, maybe Slovenia second, but it's it, it's really, I think, a wide open group. Yeah, I got to say, I think Northern Ireland is just an absolute wild horse in this. They They actually could... Uh, take first over uh, Denmark and some of the campaigns they, they've shown, you know? Yeah, I, I, with a good campaign, they, they could be the team to challenge Denmark, like, realistically. Um, but I, I mean, I think, uh, you know, out of any of the teams, if anyone challenges Denmark, it would be Northern Ireland. Mm -hmm. But again, just as likely, they could finish bottom of that of the stack of teams we mentioned. Um, Even I, below Kazakhstan, do you think? I, I think that would be unlikely, but, um, you know, Kazakhstan are maybe heading a little bit in the right direction in terms of in terms of some of their points in recent campaigns and even Nations League performance. So um, not out of the question, but I, I wouldn't necessarily predict it. Yeah, we'll, we'll come back to Kazakhstan because we should maybe finish the discussion at the top. Uh, I totally agree with you. I think... Um, Finland is the is the pot two team, but that really kind of is on the strength of the goals that Timo Puki has scored, and uh, I really worry about them without him. They do have those two other scorers, but they score much less than he does. So um, I think a bit like Iceland that they will uh, kind of precipitously decline uh, without him. So that does leave Slovenia, but Slovenia themselves are pretty inconsistent. Like they tend to either do really well and, and maybe even reach the tournament or else they finish in fourth uh, in the bottom half of the table. So they're a bit, a bit like Northern Ireland, do you think? Yeah, I, they've kind of risen out of nowhere in the past, um, you know, popping up with some World Cups, which is really hard to get to from Europe, really hard to get to the World Cup. Um, not always reflected in Euro play, but, um, you know, if they ever had a chance to emerge again, you know, this would be it for yeah. sure. Um, so I wouldn't be totally surprised to see them kind of grab that opportunity. 
yeah, it is a really good opportunity for uh, for these for these teams because none of them are really truly pot uh, pot two teams. So yeah, um, and I want to comment just on Finland. They were the pot two team based on their Nations League results, but they actually weren't even that fantastic. They were in League B with with Bosnia, Montenegro, and Romania, not the strongest groups, and they finished with a two two and two record, beating Montenegro twice, failing to beat the other team. So. Even their, um, you know, good performance in League B, I think, kind of comes with a little bit of an asterisk. It's not may- maybe as good as it as it seemed. Yeah, what you described there doesn't really sound like a pot two level. Yeah, and, and, and they are bottom of pot two also. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think Slovenia has a, a a bit more of a talented squad. Uh, I, again, I hate. It feels a bit elitist to go just on club affiliations, but it's maybe the best measure we have. But by that measure, Slovenia uh, seems to have a bit more talented squad. Yeah. One thing with Northern Ireland is they reappointed coach Michael O'Neill, who they actually had a lot of success with getting to the Euros until he left for, for championship management. So I think there's maybe some optimism with Northern Ireland that getting their, their manager back could... Um, you know, could rekindle some of their previous form. Yeah, well, I'll add to that that uh, honestly, the 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 form and squad for Northern Ireland uh, don't seem to count for much. I mean, you get these players who are kind of average championship players. Uh, again, we maybe should have looked up David Healy there, but I'm pretty sure he was not a big name at his mm-hmm. club, and yet you know he emerges and and goes mad for Northern Ireland. Um, so, yeah, I don't think we can uh, predict much for them. Uh, I want to go back to Kazakhstan now. Uh, I do think they're a legitimate pot four team. So in that sense, kind of, uh, you know, maybe not as far from uh, Finland and Slovenia and Northern Ireland as the uh, ratings su- suggest. Um, do you think they, I mean, I think they'll definitely get some spoiler results but do you think they can uh, amount it to a kind of a campaign where they might come in fourth or challenge that that kind of group? I, I don't think so. I definitely agree. This is a group that they they can view as as a group to get a lot of points from because they're playing, I think, some teams similar um, to their level. We've seen in other campaigns, you know, they've been able to win three out of ten games, often beating up on a weaker team, um, and and get a couple draws besides that. So I, I don't think it'll amount to enough to finish in second or even third. Um, but I do think they could finish fourth ahead one, ahead of one of the other teams we mentioned. Um, and I think they'll definitely get points and could have some, could have a big say in the group. Yeah, well, they're pretty sure to get the six points against uh, San Marino, but so will everyone else. Or yeah. do you think so? Do you think San Marino can pull off a draw here? No, I, I, I don't see it. Um, yeah, I mean, in a, in a sense, it may be one of their best chances to pull off a surprise result because they have a couple of inconsistent teams, but it's really hard. They have one draw in their entire Euro Cup history, so. Yeah. All right, well, Connor, uh, I, I think you've been very vague here on purpose, and uh, I, I just, I won't have it. I want you to uh, tell us what you really think. How is this group going to end? I'm going to say Denmark first. I'm going to say Slovenia and Northern Ireland fighting for second, but I'll go with Slovenia. I'm actually going to say Finland and Kazakhstan fighting for fourth and fifth. Mm. Um, and uh, 
maybe I'll favor Finland, but not not strongly. Um, and then San Marino uh, bottom. All right. Well, I'm going to differ a little bit. I think we both agree on Denmark on top, but I'm going to put Northern Ireland uh, second again. We kind of could put them anywhere, uh, but I'm going to go with Northern Ireland second, uh, Slovenia third, Finland and Kazakhstan. I, I, as you were saying, it kind of um, bought into that that they could be. Uh, fighting with each other, but I, I would say Finland over Kazakhstan and, of course, San Marino uh, at the bottom. So where are we most different there, of course, on Northern Ireland, the uh, inconsistent team? Mm -hmm. All right, well, let's move on to uh, let's move on to the opening game. So I kept myself from seeing the scores, and Connor, you have seen the scores. So let's do some predictions here. Yeah, uh, what do we got first? Six games to get through. We start with Kazakhstan at home to Slovenia. Okay, well, I, I won't talk too much about it. I'm just going to say 1-1. I think Kazakhstan can get something from this game. Uh, they were close to it, but Slovenia did win. Slovenia's winner coming in the 78th minute. 2-1, the final favoring Slovenia. Uh, okay, well, that's a good start for uh, Slovenia and a way win. Uh, we have Denmark and Finland. Uh, uh, oh, sorry, you were supposed to introduce, but... Uh, I'll just go on and say 2 nothing Denmark here. 3-1 uh, Denmark, so uh, a similar goal margin. Uh, and then finally, we have San Marino um, at home to Northern Ireland. Is this a game for San Marino to get a point? Well, I wouldn't predict it, but if it happens, I wouldn't be shocked. But uh, uh, we didn't talk about San Marino's goal average. We said they'd do well to uh, to get under four on average. So I'm going to say 3-0 uh, here. 2-0 uh, Northern Ireland was the result. All right. Well, that's a decent, uh, respectable scoreline for San Marino. So I think, as we predicted, uh, Denmark in first there. But we had a second set of games in March. Yeah, Kazakhstan versus Denmark uh, is the first one. Okay, well, Kazakhstan lost at home to Slovenia, uh, but I do think that they can be tough at home. So I wouldn't be shocked with a draw here, but I'm going to say 2-1 uh, Denmark. Uh, this was featured a stunning come-from-behind victory for Kazakhstan. Whoa! Um, Denmark were 2-0 up by 35 minutes, and it was that way for a long time until a 73rd-minute penalty and goals in 86 and 89 saw oh. Kazakhstan emerge 3-2 winners. Well, what that, a result! Yeah, that really shakes up the group. Uh, shakes up the group there. That's cool. Well, neither of us thought that Denmark would walk over the group you know, winning all 10 games or anything. So, um, yeah. I got to say, though, I, I, I didn't think it would be a loss in Kazakhstan. Not that Kazakhstan is feeble, but, uh, you know, they're one of the, the weaker teams in the group. Yeah, for sure. Uh, uh, wow. Slovenia home to San Marino next. Uh, yeah, I don't think there's much doubt about this. I'm going to say 4 nothing Slovenia. Uh, San Marino keeping the goals down so far. 2 nothing Slovenia was the final. Good for them. That's a pretty respectable scoreline. And uh, what's next? Finally, we have Northern Ireland versus Finland. Oh, okay. Well, this is a pretty interesting game. And um, hmm, uh, again, uh, Northern Ireland so inconsistent. But uh, I think Finland is looking weak. So I'm going to say one nothing Northern Ireland. It was one nothing, but for Finland. Whoa. Um, yeah, a big away win and a, a big blow to Northern Ireland to lose their opener at home. Yeah, who got the goal for Finland there? 
Uh, Coleman, one of the names oh. you mentioned. So, yeah, he's kind of one of the ones who are, uh, you know, I guess hoping to uh, make up for the goals that they're probably going to lose from Timu Puki. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, we'll finish with the next set of games, which is June 16th, and I'll, I'll ask you to predict here. We start with Finland and Slovenia. Yeah, I'm a little confused by um, by Finland now um, with that result, and they are at home. Um, Slo- Slovenia got off to a decent start, um, but I'm going to say 1-1. Uh, I think I'm going to agree with you there. Finland at home, and as you say, uh, throwing a bit of a wrench in the works there. Uh, we have Denmark at home to Northern Ireland. Yeah, an interesting game. You predicted these to be the top two. Um, I think Denmark, though, will recover. Um, it would be a really bad start for Northern Ireland to lose their first three, but I'm going to predict Denmark 3 nothing. Uh, okay, yes. and um, Oh, I'm not going to go that high. And I actually wouldn't be surprised because Northern Ireland can always surprise, but I wouldn't predict it. So I'll go with Denmark 2 nothing. All right. And then finally, we have San Marino versus Kazakhstan. Well, I would say this is San Marino's best uh, opportunity at a point, but Kazakhstan coming off over uh, of a uh, off a win over Denmark, uh, I think they're going to be careful here. So I'll say two nothing San uh, two nothing Kazakhstan. Um, I'm going to say the same result. Kazakhstan has played San Marino a couple times in the past and won each time, and I'm going to say they continue that uh so two nothing kazakhstan as well yeah so they'll be uh, uh making a bid for um fourth place uh, uh as we talked about so good luck to kazakhstan there so in terms of the standings where that that leaves us um is uh slovenia has two wins from their two games san marino has two losses and the four other teams have one win and one loss each so, uh, uh, does that change your overall prediction uh, at all there? Um, I did predict Slovenia to finish second, and they're off to a decent start. Um, I mean, decent, they've beaten Kazakhstan and San Marino, so difficult to actually judge too much. Um, but Northern Ireland, with a, with a bad loss to, at home to Finland, I'm going to keep my results as, as Denmark and Slovenia to talk to. You're pointing at me and laughing and saying my prediction is cratering. Not at all. It would be just like Northern Ireland to shock Denmark and get back in it. Yeah, it would. Okay, well, great talking to you about this, Connor. And it is time to uh, move on. So we will come back with Group I. um, And I'm looking forward to talking to you about that. Yeah, I'll see you then. All right, we'll finish the podcast today with a look back on what we have covered until now, with a particular focus on which media casts are still relevant. Uh, Following that, no wait, prior to that, we're going to look at what is upcoming over the rest of the year, because I think that uh, may be of more interest. So uh, we'll put a graphic up with all of this information, both uh, past, current and present, on the YouTube version, and we'll also include it in the show notes. So um, let's take a look at upcoming series. So right now we're on series 14. And I'll give a bit more information about that too. But Series 15 will be a shorter version of Series 14, the uh, 2024 Euro Qualifying Series. So rather than the detailed history, uh, it'll have a short summary of each team in the group and a section on their recent form. So from there, uh, Part 3 of Series 14 
uh, will be the same in both the short and long series. That's a comparison of teams through rankings, odds and head-to-head records, as well as Kevin O'Connor's discussion and ending with a review of the first two sets of games that were played in March 2023. Uh, After this uh, Euro 2024 qualifying, 16 and 17, series 16 and 17 will be a preview of the 2023 Gold Cup. Uh, That tournament is set to start on June 24th, 2023. So we plan to put out uh, those podcasts or those media casts in late May or early June. So series 16 will focus on the groups and teams and series 17 will focus on the players of each team. Uh, Qualification is actually taking place through the CONCACAF uh, Nations League currently. Uh, but we don't intend to do a series on qualification for the CONCACAF Gold Cup there. Uh, during the summer, we are planning a series on uh, CONMEBOL, that's a South American World Cup 2026 qualifying. That begins in September 2023. Uh, we also may get an early start on Asian Cup 2023, uh, although that's due to start uh, later in January 2024. Uh, In the fall, we're going to preview the early rounds of AFC World Cup 2026 qualifying. Uh, That'll take place in October and November, so we'll do it uh, prior to that. And this will actually give us a first look at some of the weaker teams in the Asian region, which we haven't covered uh, yet. Uh, Also, we will preview the 2023 African Cup. Uh, It is called that, even though it's due to start in January 2024. So those are the upcoming series, and now let's take a look at our current series, so the current media cast. We call it a media cast because it's available with visuals on YouTube, and it's available as a podcast, uh, and you can find it on most podcast catchers or on our website at soccerfiles.captivate.fm. We'll also put up a graphic uh, uh, with that on it. So the current series is series 14, and that's a preview of the groups in Euro 2024 qualifying. And this gives us a chance to get to know teams that uh, don't often make it to the tournaments. So it features a deep dive into the Euro Cup qualifying histories of the team. And uh, we started actually after the first round of games in March 2023 to make it a bit more interesting. So as uh, mentioned, we'll follow that with uh, Series 15. That's a shortened version of Euro 2024 qualifying um, because some members of the audience don't want such a deep dive. Now let's look back at our previous media cast series. These are still relevant to various degrees. And, uh, well, they tend to be relevant uh, in reverse order. So we'll actually kind of go backwards in time here. So series 10 to 13 were all based on the 2022 World Cup. Series 10 was an eight part uh, group by group preview of the 14 groups in the tournament. It featured a deep dive into the World Cup finals history of each team. Series 11 was a 32 part uh, team by team uh, preview of players in World Cup 2022. So we didn't know at the time which players would be selected. So we went through uh, the candidates for each position and gave information about them. So that'll still be relevant for a lot of the teams. Uh, Series 12 actually featured uh, shortened versions 
of each of series 10 and 11. So a shorter version on the teams and on the players. And then thir series 13 was a 25 part review or uh, update of the Team by Team uh, Players podcast. And it was published after the teams had selected their squads for the finals. So it went through the candidates that we had discussed in Series 11 and introduced any new players that made it to the final squad. Unfortunately, we, unfortunately, we ran out of time before finishing all 32 teams. And I particularly regret that in the case of Ghana, because they brought a lot of new players in that were not considered in our Series 11 preview uh, of the Ghana players. Anyway, these World Cup podcasts, especially the player ones, are still relevant because the squads haven't changed that much. Uh, we will be doing future player podcasts before each major tournament. So uh, going back before that, Series 9 is actually probably the most relevant. It was a 12-part preview of the uh, African Cup 2023 qualifying groups. Um, it's still called African Cup 2023. It was originally set to take place that year, or this year, I should say, but now it's been moved to January 2024. Um, so qualification games were also postponed and uh, the qualification is still unfinished. So uh, as I said, that makes it uh, still quite relevant. Series 7 and 8 were both based on the 2021 African Cup, which took place in January 2022. Uh, that's good for a look at some of the smaller African teams who made it to the expanded cup. Uh, series 7 was a six-part overview of the teams in African Cup 2021, uh, or in 2022. It's confusing. <laughs> it's still called African Cup 2021, but it took place in in January 2022. Uh, while the overviews were repeated in Series 9, this did feature, uh, feature a deep dive into the African Cup Finals history of the participants. Um, okay, uh, Series 8 was a 24-part team-by-team uh, preview of the players for the African Cup. Uh, for the African teams that made the 2022 World Cup, uh, the player podcasts will be updated, uh, but for the smaller teams, they won't be. So for many teams, it remains the uh, most relevant. And uh, it has soccer information that doesn't seem to exist uh, in other media accounts, as far as I know. Okay, uh, I'm moving back before that. Series 4 and 6 uh, focused on the CONCACAF regions, specifically the 18 final round of qualifying for the 2022 World Cup. Um, series 4 was an eight-part look at each team and their players in the final round, and it featured a deep dive into each team's World Cup qualification history. It also had a team-by-team -team preview of the players uh, in CONCACAF there. Uh, it really should have been a separate series number, to be honest. But nevertheless, the current players on the squad were examined uh, for each of the eight teams. Uh, series 6 was a mid-round update of that CONCACAF uh, 2022 World Cup qualifying campaign. So uh, Series 4 and 6 kind of go together. Okay, Series 5, that's in between the two CONCACAF series. Um, was a preview of the Asian uh, World Cup qualifying final round. 
So this was just a two-part series on each of the 16 groups that made it to the final round of World Cup qualifying in the Asian region. So this remains relevant for all Asian teams that didn't reach the World Cup, but for Iran, Japan, South Korea, and Saudi Arabia as Series 10 uh, in their World Cup um, introduction is more current. Series 3 was a four-part preview for the groups for Gold Cup 2021 in the CONCACAF region. And this remains relevant for some of the smaller teams in the tournament, but again, those who participated in the World Cup um, uh, were updated um, after that. Series 2 uh, was a two-part preview of the groups for Copa America 2021 in the South American region. So that again remains relevant for the smaller teams in the region, but the teams that made the World Cup were updated in Series 10. And our first series uh, was a preview of the 2020 Euro Cup played in 2021. Again, uh, teams that reached the 2022 World Cup were updated there. Um, and it, it did feature a deep dive into uh, Euro Cup finals history. So, um, uh, again, for the smaller teams that uh, we haven't covered since, it remains relevant. Okay, I think that brings us to the end. So, uh, keep your eye out for the graphics on the show notes or uh, on the YouTube. And I hope to join us for the upcoming series and uh, even go back and review some of the old series until we update them again. Bye-bye.